Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys. We have Matt playing the Ancient Blade. Hi. Scott playing the Secret King. That's me. Jordan playing the Singularity. Ooh, salutations. Sabrina playing Heaven's Last Rose. Hey there. And me, Paul, playing cool nickname maker-upper guy. Hello. <laughs> 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 it's almost time to jump back into the adventure, but first, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two-sided guys. If you want to see some of the places the characters have visited, even some things that they missed, including a secret room in the secret library of Cadriel, shh, you can get access to the battle maps, city maps, wiki information, and extra audio by becoming a patron. And if that's not for you, you can still leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you're using. Your review is the proverbial breadcrumb that a future fan will follow to find our humble little greatest podcast that was ever created. (laughs) (laughs) If your mind was blown when the King of Koopas himself joined your party to fight against the sentient sword from outer space, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 27. <laughs> I loved that game. I played it so much. Oh man. Uh, it was a good one. It was a good one. All right. Well, very good. Welcome back to the 12 Sided Guys to the Crystal Codex Adventure. Um, if you remember last time, we had a very fun time reading books in our room, just like I tell my kids to do. Anyway. <laughs> Some very important information was gleaned, um, some about um, the history of Joff's family. We learned more information about inevitability, and we even learned some quite a bit of information about Neum and Ebby's background, um, kind of this person who has been talking to him in his mind um, at important points in Ebby's short life so far. After researching and looking at some books and uh, uh, having some dinner. Oh, by the way, uh, Nari got charmed, apparently. Um, After dinner, they decided to go out to the park to try to figure out where the remnants of the Rose Syndicate are. They followed the clues on the flyer that Ebby and Pine got a few episodes back. They ended up at Eberly Park, found the box where donations were kept for the Arkelby City guild of gardeners and they followed the clues out of the park to a sundial and the sundial sent them east further into the city and that is where we are at this point in time it is late at night people are in bed asleep or out on park benches in the park smooching or over at the imperial splendor tavern and in listening to some three-piece band uh play some dance music that's not as good as tedward Yes, another episode where I feel validated. Thank you very much. All right, you guys are heading east through the city looking for more symbols of this rose, this kind of wilted rose. Um, and as you're walking through the city, you see etched on the side of a, or scratched onto the side of a building, you see this symbol of a, of a rose. And this time, it's not even um, the four triangle points like it had been in the previous um, 
couple of clues. This time it's just a wilted rose and then kind of an arrow pointing one way. And then the next time you see it's on a cobblestone carved on the ground and it's pointing a different direction. And you start winding your way through the streets until you come to the edge, uh, this uh, end of this alleyway. And on the wall of the building straight ahead, there is a picture of a wilted rose. And there is, again, the four triangles around it and the triangle pointing straight down is a little bit longer than the other ones. And that arrow is pointing straight down to two of those doors that lead down into a basement. Kind of Midwest style. I can't, I can't help but think of the movie Twister, you know, like get in the get in the <laughs> cellar and pull the... Anyway, wh- whatever those doors are called. Double cellar doors. Cellar lead, doors? Cellar doors. <laughs> sure. <laughs> cellar doors. You know what? I was making it way too difficult. You've never lived in the South. <laughs> I never lived where there were tornado uh, risks. Um, okay. So there is uh, these cellar doors in front of you, and the arrow is pointing down. Nari, these seem to be potentially your people. Do you, Would you like to try the door, or do you, should we try to sneak in? I mean, I don't know. I think we should definitely uh, be cautious, but I don't know if sneaking in is necessarily a... I mean, obviously, the whole thing is kind of sneaky, so I, I think that they probably are expecting visitors, and I don't I don't know if we could sneak up on them realistically. Okay. Well, do your secret knock or whatever, and we'll see uh, who answers. Yeah, can I just kind of pull... Is it is it locked? Can I just pull on the doors? As you pull on the doors, uh, the left one is locked in place, but the right one pulls open. And is there, like, a staircase down? Um... Yes, as you um, pull on the door, you can see that there is a staircase leading down into the basement of this building. One thing, Nari, that you would know about Arkelvi is that Arkelvi has been built up over the years on top of um, Old City, as well as there is a there is a graveyard, a cemetery um, in the corner down in the southeast corner of the city. But you know that basically underneath Arkelvi, the city. Um, you can find catacombs and tombs all throughout the city. Um, and um, oftentimes people, their basements will um, not necessarily lead into the catacombs. But maybe they might be walled off from an entrance to catacombs or crypts of some kind. So Arkelvi is kind of situated over the top of a labyrinth of ancient crypts. As you open this door and descend down the stairs, it's pitch black in here. So the only ones who can see are Pine and Ebby. Um, Joff and Nari, you guys are um, are blind. But Pine and Ebby, what you guys see is you see a large room. It looks like this room actually would be the whole size of the house above it. So like um, maybe 40 feet across and like 60 feet long or 50 feet long. And it's full of crates and boxes and barrels. And um, as you're kind of looking around this stone um, interior, you can see some other things. But um, first up, before we describe too much more, uh, Joff or Nari, do you guys want to do anything so you guys can see? I'll pull out my red candle. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pine quickly pulls out his red candle, and this candle starts floating in front of, of Pine. It is this um, candle with a red burning flame, and it lights up the whole uh, area with kind of this reddish glow. But now you guys can all kind of see what's going on in here. You can see also that on um, there's a there's crates and boxes and things stacked. There's straight ahead. It looks like there's some kind of a uh, a stone 
plinth or um, an altar maybe of some kind, something. There's something something risen up off the ground. And then to the left and the right, you guys can see that there are some doors that might lead into like neighbors' basements. But that's kind of where we're at. And then, Ebby, you are standing right next to a wine rack as well um, with some good whites and or reds. On it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you guys want to do? Um, can we just kind of do a scan of the room, like, and make sure there's not any, like, super obvious traps or anything before we make our way across? Yeah. Why don't you go and make an investigation check then? And you can have every, if everyone's doing it, then you can have one person make it with advantage if you want to do that instead. Not me. I think that'd be a job for Joff. Joff got a 27 on investigation. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so Joff, as you are starting to look down through here, you see all these crates and boxes and barrels. It looks like uh, some of them have been here for a long time. Some of them are relatively new. Um, The doors on either side, um, they are locked. Um, And so you can try to open those. But just judging by the size of the house um, above you, um, when you guys are out, it looks like this basement definitely does just cover this one house. And those doors either go into catacombs or they go into other basements. Um, there are a couple of barrels of, uh, looks like beer um, down here, as well as like a mop and a bucket. There's some, uh, a box full of old clothes. Um, but that plinth, that kind of uh, platform stone, um, raised up stone area at the opposite end from the stairs, um, that as you approach it, it looks like it's some kind of a tomb or a grave marker and as you're looking at it you can actually see that there are words carved on it and the words after you kind of clear off some of the dust um it says my beloved opal our time together has ended too soon a rose among thorns your beauty did bloom the loss of your smile in this world is a sin but lords and ladies dictate when this life must end all my love sterling why don't you guys make uh, either investigation or perception checks? Pine rolled a 19. Maybe got a nat one. Uh, Dari finally got a 22. She's doing good. Jeff got a 14. Okay. Yeah. Pine and Nari. So you guys are kind of like looking around trying to see, you know, kind of what's going on with this, uh, with this tomb marker. You realize that the, Uh, I guess the fifth line that says, but lords and ladies dictate when this life must end. You realize that dictate is spelled wrong. It's missing its first T. I'll tell you one thing I realized. I realized that sin and end don't rhyme. Yes, they do not. (laughs) Give me (laughs) creative license, creative license. My goodness. Um, Oh, that wasn't a clue. That wasn't a clue. Sin and end. Um, no, they're close enough. Soon and bloom don't rhyme either. Um, it might rhyme in Ustranian, just not in English. So, so Nari, you recognize that too, but you also get the impression that there's something important about Opal and you can't quite place where that's important, why that's important to you, but that name pops out to you for some reason. So we have the name Opal and then we have... Um, Dictate is missing a T. So I will read it again. My beloved Opal, our time together has ended too soon. A rose among thorns, your beauty did bloom. The loss of your smile in this world is a sin. But lords and ladies, dictate when this life must end. All my love, Sterling. Opal T. Sterling. (laughs) (laughs) Topal. (laughs) Opal (laughs) T. Drink your Opal Team. (laughs) <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh man. 
Is it possible for you to throw that into the chat so I can look at it? Yes. Give me a second. <laughs> give me a second. Oh, you guys are great. Unless we can't figure out your puzzle. <laughs> uh, so Opal is capitalized as is Rose. And Dickate. And none of these are, none of these words that stand out. Like you can, you, you press on them. Yeah. Can I push on Dictate? Uh, on, on uh, actually, you can. As you push on it, you feel it kind of, that word kind of moves under your fingers, but it doesn't feel like it moves that much. Like it, it hits a stop. What if I push Opal? Nothing. Um, can I push on some of the T's, like in Thorn or? Um, the, the T in Thorn does not move. I'm just going to touch all of the T's and the whole thing. Um, what a tease. Um, no, none of the tees <laughs> no, move at all. Just, just going to rub your hands up and down like elf in the elevator. <laughs> yes. The, <laughs> the only T that moves slightly is the T in dictate. D uh, E I C A T E. Well, it's not dictate. The first yeah. T is missing and the second T moves, but only because the whole word dictate moves just a little bit. So maybe we can find the T and put it in there. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <gasps> I got it. I got it. Okay. I'm going to push Rose. Yes. It moves under your finger. Sin. It moves under your finger. And Decate. Rose Syndicate. Nice. Nice. You push Rose, you push Sin, and you push Decate. And as you push Decate, um, all three of those sink in. And the this platform, this plinth, this grave marker slides to the side. Now, this grave marker, when it slides to the side, it makes a little bit of noise. It's not like when you were in the ancient facility and everything was so smooth. This one definitely has some kind of grinding, uh, more mechanical, um, less refined mechanism, but it does move on its own. And underneath this plinth, you see a staircase descending further down into the depths of Arkelvy. Hot damn! I think we're in the right place. Pine, it's a secret passage. I know. I've gone my whole life without finding a single secret passage. I meet you three, and all of a sudden, I think this is what? Secret passage number four? Is that a good omen? My life is complete. It's a good omen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, what are you guys going to do? There's a stairway straight ahead of you. And as you look at the stairway, I mean, you you guys are all perceptive enough. This stairway looks old. Like, this stairway has been here probably longer than that grave marker was. Well, down we go. Yeah, let's roll tide. And the candle's following us, so. Okay. All right, you descend down the stairs. It's not that far down. You probably figure you've descended about 30 or 40 feet before the stairs open up into this large chamber. Um, The candle in front of you lights the way a bit, but you can't see the far end. As you guys descend into this chamber, you see that it's very long. And along the sides, you can see there's these alcoves and it looks like there might be some um, some like tombs, some like a uh, uh, grave, some what's the word I'm looking for? Sarcophagi um, in these little alcoves. And you realize that you are now in the catacombs under Arkelby. So Pine would like to use um, he has an ability called trained senses. So okay. as an action, I can. Um, I can detect if there's a celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet that's not behind total cover. Now that we're down here in these ancient catacombs, 
Mine's getting a little creeped out, so I'd like to use that ability. You say 60 feet? Mm-hmm. It also lasts until the end of my next turn, so if we're moving forward, it would cover that movement as well. Pine okay. explains, When I was in the military, for some reason they trained us to detect undead celestials and fiends. Never came in handy during the war, but it stuck with me. So, so Pine, like, how, how does this work? What is this, like, what, what, what do you do to actually detect? Like, do you pull out a monocle and start looking around real, real hard <laughs> or something? Or take a big whiff of the air? Yeah, it would be a combination of smells. So I would like know what things like, um, let's say that, uh, you know, fiends smell like brimstone, undead smells like um, like wet rot and a uh, combination of that. And then look, again, noticing telltale signs of, um, you know, unnatural movement. Right. You catch a whiff of like um, the... Uh... The undead one, whatever, whatever you said the undead one was. Wet rot. Wet rot. You you catch a whiff of wet rot. Um, and it is right at just at the edge of your perception, but it's there. And you can, I, I don't know, can you detect how many? It says that I know the location of any that's not behind total cover. So I would, I would kind of know um, where any of them are. Mm-hmm. This is not making me feel good. Be careful. We're not alone. I think the dead are restless here. Straight ahead from you, 55 feet ahead of you, you detect undead. Straight ahead. Be on your guard. Since you got that warning, why don't you go ahead and roll initiative, everybody? Nari rolled a four. (laughs) Evie got a 20. Nice. Pine rolled a six. Joff got a 12. You said you could smell undead. All I smell is grunge. Gringe. Gringe. <laughs> gringe. All I smell is gringe. <laughs> just, hey, I figured out how to remember gringe. All you have to do is just think of how Polly Shore would say grungy. Gringy. Buddy. <laughs> it's the terrible? leaning tower of Chisa. Oh, jeez. Was uh, that from a goofy movie? It yes. sure was. <laughs> I came home to my husband watching that. The other day, and he was crying a little bit. Oh, <laughs> doing the perfect cast. All right, Debbie, <laughs> you are up. Well, I'm so glad that it's my turn right now because I have all the ideas in my head on how to do this. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just gonna advance, kind of cautiously. Okay. Yeah, as you as you move up, I mean, there's columns sticking up out of this out of this room that kind of help hold up the ceiling, um, and so it kind of makes this room the the ceiling is pretty high, um, about probably at 15 feet high uh, and barrel vaulted, um, but uh, it still feels kind of oppressive. And as you move up, you can see uh, straight ahead of you, you see a it's a man sized figure wearing armor, but. You can tell the armor is old. You can see that the skin is kind of falling off of one of his arms. He holds a long sword in his hand. Behind him, you see another figure in similar a similar state, um, but wearing old and moth-eaten robes, not wearing armor. Uh, and then off to your right, you can see there is, um, I mean, what it can only be described as a skeleton, uh, wearing bits and pieces of armor, but no flesh left on him. And then behind that skeleton, you see another figure that has quite a bit of flesh still on it. Um, you can almost smell the stink coming from that direction. Got it. Okay. 
um, Ebby, I think, feels kind of repulsed by the idea of kind of unliving stuff from kind of a druidic reverence of nature and life. I think mm-hmm. he uh, does not necessarily love this stuff. I think what we're going to do is drop a bonfire on this guy here. And by drop a bonfire, I mean he's going to kind of stomp his right foot out in front and then raise both hands up in front of him and kind of bring forth flames right underneath that guy. Okay. Um, so he has to make it a, a dexterity save. Yeah. A DC 15 dex save, or he will take six fire damage. So he rolled a 13. So he takes six damage. You said, yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. This, um, this armored, um, kind of, uh, well, we'll call him, we'll just call him a white. Why don't we just call him a white? Um, he takes some fire damage. It looks like it's licking up around him. Um, and uh, he doesn't seem to notice. I mean, he obviously notices it, but it doesn't seem to to affect him like it would a living person. But he looks across the room straight at you. Is that your whole turn? Yeah. Yeah, that's all okay. I'm going to do for now. Okay. It is now this zombie over here kind of off to the right. The, the one that you can almost smell the stink coming off of. He shambles forward closer he kind of hides behind this uh this pillar here so that um he's a little bit protected um he is going to um move up and then he is going to actually uh just kind of take cover behind this pillar this other one this one the the guy who was straight back wearing kind of the more ornate robes he steps forward um just a little ways um so he's probably about 30 feet from you and he points his hand at you Ebby, as you came closer, and he is going to make a ranged spell attack against you. Uh, 10 does not hit you, does it? Nope. Okay, well, oh, no, and, and then he does it a second time. He gets two attacks, and a 12 does not hit you either. Nope. Okay, all right. Well, that then brings us to the armored guy standing in the fire. He is going to step out of the fire, and he comes, uh, he charges up to you with his longsword in hand, and he is going to swing at you uh, two times. Uh, does a 20 hit you? A 20 just hits. All right. He is going to deal 11 damage. Got it. All right. And then coming up from along the other side, you see another one of these armored whites. He comes up, and then he sees you, Ebby, as well. He is not quite close enough, so he's going to take two shots with a longbow. And um, it looks like a 16 or a 20. The 20 will hit again. Um, And that is seven damage. Got it. Okay. Um, And now it is Joff's turn. So Joff will run up after seeing that uh, zombie come up and hit um, Ebby, and he'll pull out his short sword and attack. Okay. Rolled a 25 to hit. That definitely hits. For nine piercing damage. Um, They're immune to sneak attack, right? Nope. I don't think so. Not in fifth edition. Oh, I always get that mixed up. Okay, so then it would be 17 total. 17 total. All right. Good, solid hit. And then do you have anything you're going to do for bonus action? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll strike him again for, for the bonus action. Okay. Um, actually I'll no, I'll, I'll bonus action disengage and okay. step backwards. Okay. Nice choice. Okay. And then that brings us now to this skeleton 
the skeleton is going to move up until he is pretty close to um, Joff and Ebby, but he can't quite reach you this turn. So he actually, he has like an old beat up shield. He raises up his shield and he takes the dodge action. Um, Pine, it is your turn. Okay, so Pine is going to, uh, he's going to come up, um, let's see, uh, dodge around uh, Joff to get up in front of him and take on this armored white. Okay, perfect. So I'll do my first attack with my saber. It has a 22 hit. Of course. Okay. And that will be 11 damage. And I'm going to go ahead and do Swordmaster's Fury. And since this thing is undead, I actually get to do an extra D8 with this. Well, fancy that. For reasons. Because the Menorese army trained effectively <laughs> against the undead. They, uh, they hate Gadavar. That's the Lord of, of Death. Remember his parade is coming up? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> The Halloween parade. Dia de Gavadar. That's right. 3d8. Uh, so that's another extra 15 radiant oh, damage man. as I strike okay. three more times. Oh, man. And just like that, he is down. He topples to the ground uh, in pieces. Okay. Well, that's fine because I still have 10 more feet of movement. So there's a to, to your left is another armored white. Um, straight ahead of you is a um, like a robed um, white. And then there's a skeleton over here to your right, like just like 10 feet from you. OK, well, I'm going to go toward the other um, armored white. OK, uh, so I can make that with 10 feet of movement. Yep. And then uh, I'm going to uh, do it my second attack. OK, which is a 22 to hit that hits. Uh, that'll be seven damage plus another Swordmaster's Fury. So that will be another 10 damage. So only 17 that time. 17 um, damage. Yeah. Okay. And then for my bonus action, I think we're good. All right. That brings us to Nari. All right. Nari is going to move up and join everyone. Um, come up near Pine and strike out at that right as well with her great axe. Okay. Um, and so she got an 11 and a 9. Okay, both of those miss. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's all she's going to do for now. Okay. All right. And then now it's Ebby's turn. Back up to the top of the round. Ebby's turn. All righty then. Um... I think Ebby's going to first and foremost use a bonus. Well, I should hold off. I'm going to hold off on doing a bonus action spell. Um, he's actually going to charge in to the robed one in the back there. Okay. And um, do a primal savagery attack on it. So basically with this, you know, he comes, Ebby comes charging towards him. It says something to the effect of, um, you unnatural abomination. And he, his hand kind of does a little bit of a robotic reconfiguration, turns into kind of this claw type thing. Mm -hmm. And out of the joints of his hand oozes kind of like a toxic, noxious grease or oil. And he's going to go ahead and have a swipe at this guy with that 25 to hit that hits. And it will do 14 acid damage. 14 acid damage. Nice. Very good. Cool. Anything else that Ebby's going to do? Uh, no, I think I think that's that'll be it for him. Okay. All right. 
It is now the stinky zombies move. He is going to step here next to Pine and Nari. Uh, he is so, so stinky. It like, it's disgusting. But I just bathed today. You literally did just bathe. <laughs> he kind of, he kind of like punches a fist into one hand and he flexes all of his nasty, decrepit muscles. And you see like these cuts and these sores and things all over his body. They start to ooze and gas starts to come pouring out and it stinks so bad. And there's a 30 foot circle around him that is just now full of this like stinky, smelly, uh, Virulent miasma, if you will. Um, I need everyone to make a constitution saving throw. Difficulty 12. Uh, Nari, since you're within five feet of me, you'll get a plus three to that. Nice. Pine rolled a 20. Joff rolled a 19. Ooh, Ebby only rolled an 11. And Nari rolled a 12, or a 15. Okay, so that means, <laughs> Ebby, you take nine damage. Are you immune to poison? Oh, I am resistant to it. You're resistant to it. I'm immune to diseases, but I am resistant to poisons. Okay, so you take four poison damage. Everyone takes four poison damage. Um, mm. That's it. <laughs> okay, that was his action. And that brings us now to the robed white. He stands in front of Ebby. Ebby, he is going to make two attacks at you, not with his grave bolt attack, but instead with his fists. He clubs at you. Ooh, two 22s. I'm guessing oh. they both hit. Okay, yeah. Nine damage and six damage. Now, I need you to make two... Constitution saves. Difficulty 13. Gorsh, Mickey. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> First one was only a 10. <laughs> okay. And the second one, a six. Man, I'm rolling really poorly. I have a plus four on constitution saves, but I am rolling not great. So a 10 and a six. So they both fail. So I believe the damage was nine and six. Is that correct? So 15 total? Mm-hmm. Your um, hit point maximum is now reduced by 15. Oh. So this will last until you take a long rest. Got it. Okay. That means you cannot heal up past where you're at. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Pine and Nari. Let's see. He is, this guy fears Pine because of what he just saw him do to his friend. He is going to also make two similar attacks against Pine. Okay. So... <laughs> How about a an eight or an eleven? Nope, neither hit. Okay, and that brings us now to Joff. <laughs> nice. So Joff will instinctively reach for his daggers, forgetting that he turned them into um, Howling Talon. And when he comes back frustrated, he notices that in his hand is a glowing chakram. And he throws that instead at the robed white. Okay. Okay. So it goes wide and disappears. Okay. <laughs> but he has it. But um, another one appears in his hand and he's going to do it as a bonus action as well. 
a 15 to hit? Uh, that does hit. That does hit. Okay. 20 damage total for that second hit. So you reach back to grab that knife. It's not there. And you almost, you feel a hand on your shoulder. And then the chakram is placed in your hand. You feel it placed in your hand. And you throw it and you miss. And you're like, damn it. And you hear a little voice say, try not to lose this. And then it's back in your hand. <laughs> and then you throw it the second time and you hit. Nice. Okay. Awesome. All right. That now brings us to the skeleton's turn. All right. The skeleton comes running up to you. Um, Joff, you are the closest one. And he is going to swing at you. He is going to take an attack with a short sword. He's got a short sword and a shield. He gets a 21 to hit. That hits. All right. He is going to deal six damage to you. Okay. I'm going to do my reaction to have um, my ancestor spirit. The squire is going to half that damage. Okay. Um, As as it kind of comes at you, you see um, what you see. Nobody else sees this, but Joff, you see um, Squire is like standing in front of you and he's like got his hands on your shoulder and he's bent over so that the, the attack hits him in the back. And when it hits him, it goes through him and it hits you, but it feels lessened. And he kind of looks up at you with a wry kind of look like, so this is what it comes down to. Now I have to sacrifice myself for you as well. And then he disappears. <laughs> Pine, you're up. You've got a white to one side of you that tried to attack you and failed. And you have this stinky zombie um, on the other side of you. Okay. So Pine will uh, look to Nari, who's also right next to me, and say, Is this typical for the Rose Syndicate? Do they employ undead? And then I will attack the the white, the armored white. Okay. Perfect. Um, so my first attack is a 26 to hit. That hits. For 13 piercing damage. Okay. And you know what? Might as well. Just I'm just <laughs> going to do another um, 3d8 damage to it with a Swordmaster's Fury uh, for 13 additional radiant damage. Oh, my gosh. Okay. He's That's your up? first attack, right? He's still standing. He is, he is missing pieces that were definitely there earlier. So he is not looking good. I mean, he's looking worse than before. He was never looking good. I keep forgetting to do a technique. It's been a little bit. For my bonus action, no, I'm just going to take my second attack, see if he's still up. Okay. Uh, That's a critical hit. A critical hit. All right. So damage right now, just basic damage is um, 16 damage. Okay. Plus an additional uh, eight damage. So that is um, 24 damage. Yep. Um, He had two hit points left. Okay, so he's gone. (laughs) Yeah, he is. You 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 go from shoulder to groin, and he he falls in half. Okay, all right. So I've I've heard the I've heard the commotion on the other side of this pillar. I cannot see what's happening to Abby, but I'm going to go ahead and move and draw the attack of opportunity from Stinky Zombie. Okay, let's see. As you move, he's going to take a swing at you with a critical hit. He rolled a natural twenty. Well. I have news for you. My Menorese officer's armor negates critical hits. That's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh, my gosh. You know, so we've been playing now for, what, 27 sessions or so? This is the first time that Pine has had a critical hit against him. Yeah. 
So okay. some, of my, some of my starting equipment, we got to pick some magic starting equipment. And one of the things I picked was uh, uh, some armor that makes me um, immune to critical hits. It's the same thing as having adamantine armor. All right. Well, you take five um, slam bludgeoning damage plus an additional eight necrotic damage. So now I'm up next. I'm going to move up next to the robed uh, guy. Yes. And then I'm going to right next to Ebby. Um, and then I can't do anything for Ebby this round, but I will go ahead and uh, call out Field Marshal, sir, I ask your aid and throw out Kenneg Zestock to the opposite side of this um, robed guy. Okay. And uh, with a 22 to hit. That hits. Okay, for four. Four force damage. Woo! Oh my gosh. And just like that, he falls. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Uh, uh, I didn't realize he had been hurt that bad. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Nari, it's your turn. Well, um, Nari, yeah, Pine asked you a question before he ran off and did all of his uh, shenanigans. Nari's kind of pissed because she's like not been able to be help- very helpful, and Pine's kind of cutting through these people. I only have two spell slots left. Like I can't, I can't do this again. Um, yeah, so she's gonna swing at the stinky zombie here with her great axe, and uh, I got a twenty-five to hit and a twenty-six to hit. So those, yeah, and I think your twenty-six is actually a crit. Oh yeah, because it's a um, nineteen. Yeah, it's a nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, both of those hit. Roll some damage. Sweet. Okay, so I got um five, and then I rolled a sixteen for the crit one. Okay, so sixteen for the crit. Reroll the five because I think that that's a that's a one or a two <laughs> for your damage. Oh yeah, it is a one. Okay, but now it's it's still, it's still a five. I don't know why my rolls have been so bad. No, hey, you just dealt 21 damage to this guy. All right, awesome. And you didn't have to extend expend any spell slots. All right, Ebby, your turn. There is a stinky zombie uh, to the south of you, just about uh, 15 feet away. And there's a skeleton over uh, that's kind of threatening Joff. Okie dokie. Um, well, I need to heal up because... I'm in a little bit of rough shape every like I was thinking I'm sure Ebby's like man I think this half plate is full of crap because he got <laughs> he got this new armor but everybody keeps rolling 20s or above um, <laughs> so I'm going to do a second level spell slot okay and for a bonus action I'll do Erdos's word on myself okay to heal myself for eh, nine healing that's okay. better than just, nothing. Just remember, you can't heal more than your total hit points minus 15, I think it was. Right. Yep. Okay. okay. Perfect. Okay. And and then I will come after... Uh, quick question. Um, yes. So I just cast a spell as a bonus action. Um, am I not able to use a cantrip for my main action? No, you can. You, you can, can cast two spells as long as one of them is a cantrip, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll turn around and conjure another kind of gout or spout, whatever it is, burst of fire underneath the stinky zombie using the bonfire cantrip. All right, he's going to make a dex save, and he is going to roll, uh, gosh, not well. Um, He rolled a four. Cool. Um, So he takes nine fire damage unless he's resistant. 
Uh, he is not resistant. Um, oh, Nari, one thing I forgot. Since you are within 10 feet of this guy at the start of your turn, and Pine, you should have done this too, um, I need you both to make DC 12 constitution saves. Sorry about that. Plus three for you, Nari. All right, cool. I rolled a 20. <laughs> and Pine got a 19. Well, never mind. <laughs> Ebby, your turn is done. That brings us now to Stinky Zombie. He is going to attack at Nari. Nari, two attacks at you. There is a 21 and a 7. I'm guessing the 21 hits. The 21 does hit. All right. You take three damage uh, and the, of bludgeoning damage, and then you take 12 necrotic damage. Okay. Hey, Paul, I was curious how you wanted to, how we wanted to handle this. I don't know that we've been very strict on this at all. And so if we don't want to worry about it, we don't need to. But I was looking at that create bonfire cantrip and it talks about how a creature must also make the saving throw if it moves into the bonfire space for the first time on a turn or ends its turn there. Um, So I don't know, you might, you might choose to move him here in a second. So that might not even matter. Oh, Well, thank you for letting me know that. He will take one step over to get out of the bonfire, but still remain within the range of Nari's attack. Thank you so much. I appreciate that um, very much. It's going to make my monsters a little bit stronger. (laughs) Happy to help. Super happy (laughs) to help there. (laughs) All right. Now that that brings us back to Joff. Joff, uh, there is a skeleton that is threatening you, and it goes right after you do. Okay. Joff is going to disengage and move towards the big stinker. Okay. And swing with his short sword. Oh, actually, so you're within 10 feet of him at the beginning, so I need you to make a DC 12 constitution save as well. Okay, so I got a 17 to hit, and I got I got an 18 on my constitution. Okay, yeah, so you're fine. Um, okay. And then you did a 17 to hit. The 17, um, that will hit, yes. Okay, so 11 piercing damage and then 9 precision, so 20 damage total on that strike. Fantastic. Um, the skeleton is going... Did you do a disengage or anything? Um, I bonus action disengaged to get okay. there. Okay, perfect. Okay, so the skeleton did not take an attack against you. Yeah. All right. The skeleton is going to follow you over and he is going to make an attack against you again for, uh, I believe that is, uh, it's going to hit you. It's either an 18 or a 19. I can't remember which. Yes. 16 is my AC. So. Okay. And you take four damage. Four from damage. A short sword. Oof. I'm going to, I mean, I might as well have Squire take half of it. Okay. <laughs> he <laughs> likes at you and you just hear this little voice say, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Pine, you're up. Okay, so Pine, seeing to the south of me, um, there's a, still a skeleton, and uh, you can't see the the stinky zombie because of some pillars. But uh, he's going. So what he's going to do is he's actually going to head after the skeleton. Okay, and he's going to head all the way down next to the skeleton. Okay, and will uh, attack that guy. Okay, um, his first attack will be a twenty three to hit. That hits for 10 damage for 10 damage. Uh, he is still standing. My second attack will be a 10 to hit. That actually misses. Okay. And then Kenig's S talk will actually move down beside the pillar. So move into range of the stinky zombie and mm-hmm. uh, take an attack there. Perfect. 
Uh, eight to hit won't hit. Oh, no, barely misses, though. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Pine, that was your move. Yep. Nari, I need you to make a constitution save. Wait. Oh, wait. Actually, wait. Give me a second. Never mind. You are immune because you saved. Everybody is now immune to this stinkiness. Nice. Except for Ebby. I'll, I'll stay back here. We're good. And except for my clothing. <laughs> I know. My we can hair. still smell it. We're just Ugh. not retching. Yes. All right. All right. Nari's going to take a swing here at the stinky guy. Uh, she got a 10 and a 12 to hit. Believe it or not, they both hit. Okay. I did not believe that. That's great. <laughs> He's a zombie. All right. So then uh, that does 12 and 11 damage. All right. And he is still standing. He is uh, looking uh, very beat up, very cut up, um, but he is still up. All right. Anything else you want to do, Nari? I think if he's still up, I'm going to use my um, action surge and I'm going to hit him again. Okay. Because um, I'm, I'm done with this guy. So 13 to hit. That hits. For 16 damage. That brings him down. Now, let's see what ends up happening. If he gets a natural 20, he will pop back up. Nope, a 10. He dies. And now there is just a lowly skeleton hanging out, clicking and clacking his teeth together. <laughs> All right. Actually, um, Nari, you have an extra, uh, one more attack with your action surge. You can move up to the skeleton and take an attack if you want to. Cool, yeah, I'll move over here next to um, Bruce, and I will swing for 18 to hit. That hits. And eight damage. That is enough. You batter batter up, you knock this guy's head right off. It goes flying across the room. Um, you can see the body crumple. The skull, the skull is still kind of trying to talk at you, kind of clicking its teeth together, but it has no more power. It is done. And cue victory music. <laughs> All right. So now you have these, um, I was going to say dead bodies lying around you, but they were already dead. You have these corpses that have deanimated uh, laying around you. Um, Pine, you asked Nari a question, um, and uh, in the heat of battle, I don't think it ever got responded to. Is this typical behavior for the Rose Syndicate to employ uh, the undead to guard their passages? Uh, no, no, I've never, never had undead co-workers, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I suppose it's not impossible. <laughs> Some co-workers you wouldn't mind if they were dead. Well, why don't you make an insight check? Uh, anybody can make an insight check. Pine rolled a nine. Oh, now I got a nat one on that. Oh, Joff got a 14. Ebby got a 22. Okay. Ebby, it seems like um, just coming down here, you as you descended the stairs from the cellar um, down into this area, you just got the feeling that um, uh, this place has a little bit of an unnatural feel to it and that these, these undead might not be... They might just naturally be here, if that makes sense, or unnaturally be here. Um, they might be here as a as a result of this place, as opposed to somebody actually summoning them here. 
Got it. Um, so Ebby says to them, There are areas in the world where Gadivar's pull is a little bit stronger. This is one of those locations. That's why the dead have reanimated in this location. Be on your guard. Well, I don't like it. I think, um... Do you suppose they chose this location because of a natural protection potential? Or... No, that would be a clever way to do it. Hmm. I would doubt it. I mean, I, I... At least in my experience, I would think that going underneath the cities, um, like these sorts of basements are pretty common. Yeah, I mean, with the, with your 22 insight, Ebby, it might be more of necessity as opposed to like moving down here wouldn't necessarily be safe for anybody else either, right? Um, so it may, may be like a, a desperation move to come down here. I'll, I'll relay that. It's just kind of some conjecture. Yeah. Well, yeah, the roses are hiding under the ground. Okay, let's move on. All right, so what you see in this room now as you kind of uh, glance around, there are these pillars holding up the roof. There's eight of them. Um, you know, they they run two across and they run down the length of this of this uh, this room from north to south or south to north. You guys entered from the south side of this room, by the way. Um, and then along the side, there are these alcoves. And in these alcoves, there are these different sarcophagi. Um, and um, yeah, as you guys kind of look at them, it looks like they are uh carved they are old they are um intricate in in some ways um but these are are not new um and as you guys look you see that you know that i mean why don't you guys make some investigation checks pine rolled a 17 abby got a 16 joff got a nine nari rolled a six I think Nari and Joff are having a hard time because they're exploring by light of this red candle alone. And so if it gets kind of a, away from them, they kind of have to like grab it and pull it back over so they can see better. Um, but um, Pine and, and Ebby, you guys, as you guys are looking around, you see that it looks like all of these, um, all of these sarcophagi are women. Um, they're the, the depictions on them are, of uh, women in like flowing dresses or robes. Um, they all look slightly different. So you imagine that these might be actual castings or likenesses of the people who were buried here, uh, who were put in these sarcophagi. But, um, or is it sarcophaguses? I don't want to sound like an idiot. Anyway, I'll say sarcophagi because it makes me sound smarter, uh, even if it's wrong. John Oliver taught me that it, it, the plural of octopus is octopuses. So I don't know, man. But nucleus is nuclei. I'm going to say sarcophagi. Sarcophagi. All right. Because then like you it. can have sarcophagals too. Yeah, I was going to say these <laughs> are women, so these are sarcophagals. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, you see that these are all depictions of women, and they all are a little bit different. And Ebby and Pine, you guys noticed that they're all wearing like robes or dresses or something very fancy and, and very, I mean, traditionally womanly, right? Um, except for one. There is one that is basically um, on the on the east side. It's the middle. Uh, there's actually five on each side. So there are 10 sarcophagi total. The middle one on the east side is actually um, depicts a woman, but she is in armor um, where the rest of them are in like ball clothes or um, or some kind of courtier's clothes. Uh, this one is dressed for battle. 
And as you go and you look at this sarcophagus, you see that there is an inscription on it and it simply says opal. Hmm. Interesting. Um, do, do we open it? It does seem like a day for secret passages. <laughs> well, let's give it a go. All right. So, so Abby and I will open it. Okay. Why don't you guys make a strength check with advantage? <laughs> One of you make it with advantage. This uh, is like a solid stone lid. Nari can get in there and help if you want. Yeah. <laughs> can it be <laughs> athletics? I'm slightly better at athletics. Or you can let Nari do it. Hey, Nari. <laughs> Come take a look at this. Oh, my God. I rolled on that one, but with advantage, I rolled a 23. Okay. Yeah. So you guys get in there. You're starting to, to heave and everything. And at one point, your your grip kind of slips, but you manage to get a better grip and you start to pull. And as you pull the lid, it kind of slides off, but doesn't come crashing to the ground. But as you're pulling it off, you kind of look inside and you can see that it's actually empty. Interesting. Hopefully we don't run into Opal walking around down here. <laughs> You may already have. <laughs> <laughs> How many undead would we fight? There was there was the robed one. There were two whites, stinky face, and bone head. Five. Careful, there, there's potential to be five more. But so this one is empty. Does it look like there was ever anything in here? Um, No. There's no scraps or anything like that. Um, and as you're kind of looking, you you see that this one actually looks newer than the other ones. And Pine will say that with the 17 investigation, there's a little something different about the wall behind the sarcophagus. So the, sarco- the, wall, the sarcophagus is shoved up against the eastern wall of this alcove. And it looks like uh, one section of the wall um, is that the, the brick that makes up this wall um, is pretty uniform. And in this section, the brick is just slightly smaller than the brick everywhere else. Like it's not from the same batch of bricks, basically. What do you think? Do you think we could move this sarcophagus or or even move the wall? Let's try. We could try. Yeah. Should we try pushing Opal's name? Is it a button? I'll push it. You push Opal's name. And the wall behind the sarcophagus opens up. Nari starts writing down, it's always a button. Ebby <laughs> <laughs> holds his hands out and says, Opal Sesame. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry, it's late. The dad puns get real bad. <laughs> okay, so it pushes inwards. And again, it's that not so seamless uh, sound like you heard in the ancient facility. It's much more rough, a lot more grinding, um, but it does open up into this small five foot wide passageway. It's pretty low. As you guys duck in, you can actually see that there's a light in there. It's very dim. It looks like maybe one candle is all, but you guys can see into this room. And in this room, you see there is a carpet on the floor with a table um, and it looks like there's a candle in the middle of this table. The room is probably 20 feet long and 15 feet wide. Um, and around this table, there are situated uh, multiple chairs. Sitting in the chairs, you see to the left, you see a, a man with uh, blue skin. As you look at him, you can kind of see the, um, the reflection of the light on his face gives the indication of some sort of scales. But whereas Matt, when you met Bander at the bathhouse in our last episode, his scales seemed a lot like dry. These scales seem 
wet and moist and almost glistening. Okay. Um, and he actually, he has a little slit for a nose, but he also has little um, gills on the side of his neck. And you recognize this as, um, uh, I mean, basically this world's equivalent of a water genasi. Okay. Okay. Um, and across from him on the other side of the table, you see another man. And this one has red skin. Um, he is a handsome man. He's got horns that come out of his head. Um, he is wearing armor. He's got a sword at his waist. And as you guys push into the room, he immediately stands up. The blue skinned kind of um, uh, fishy man, he backs up. But the, uh, the armored uh, red skinned man, he stands up and puts his hand on his sword. And he says, Holt, who comes to the chamber of the Wilted Rose? Um, I'll kind of, Nari will kind of step in and like hold her hands up to show she's not really a threat at the moment. It, uh, my name is Nari and I, I was a worker in the Rose Syndicate. Um, I thought that we were all wiped out, but I came back to town and it, it seems as though we might live again. The, uh, the uh, the red skin man turns and looks at the blue one and uh, he kind of uh, let, let, lets his shoulders drop a little bit and he takes his hand off of his sword and he says, yes, indeed, we we do live again, or at least as close to living as as can be in these terrible circumstances. But you say you're Nari and you were with the Rose Syndicate before? Yes. I was a guard over at the Lazy Leg Inn um, until, you know, the night everything happened. I went to meet Aaliyah Brava and we were attacked and ambushed. And I left the city for a couple of months trying to keep my head down and came back and just wanted to see if anyone was still around. It looks like looks like we've at least got some somewhat of a network. The uh, the red skinned armored man, he says, and. What do you know of Aaliyah Brava now? I I know nothing. Um, does she live? He looks over again at the blue-skinned man, then he looks back at you and he says, I, she lives. She lives when so many else don't anymore. That sneaky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said that about her. <laughs> is, she, is she heading up the... The Rose Syndicate then, still? He says, I, I feel, Nari, it's not my place to till. Um, let me let me go get our, our wilted rose. And he, uh, in this room, there is a hallway to the left and a hallway to the right. And he heads down this right hallway and he's gone out of view for just, you know, 30 seconds or so. And then he comes back and following behind him is someone that you recognize. There is a short, maybe four foot 11 woman, thin, um, long blonde hair. She has um, like a, a wolf's white ears on top of her. Um, I said blonde hair, but it's actually white. She's got white hair. Um, she's got wolf ears on top of her head. Um, she is um, very dainty. Um, but last time you saw her, Nari, um, you you saw her dressed in fine clothing. Her hair was like in big anime curls. Um, and now she dresses in um, leather and she carries a sword at her hip. But there's no mistaking that this is Nilla. This is one of the 
prostitutes of the Rose Syndicate um, that you knew uh, from your time here in Arklevy before. She steps into the room. She takes a look at your group and she notices you, Nari, and she says, Nari, and she runs over and she gives you a hug around your waist because that's as high as she can get. <laughs> um, Nari will kind of awkwardly pat her on the head, kind of mimicking uh, Joff, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice love it uh nilla it's so good to see you um i'm happy you survived tell me tell me what happened she says i i feared the worst i thought that i thought that i was the only one still left oh, you would know that nilla was um the one that you knew who worked at the uh the high side which was like the the premier um restaurant in town that also catered to other fare. Um, and so Nilla was like a, a high price prostitute, basically. Um, and she says, that night they, they came for me and uh, I, I would have been dead if it weren't for Sir Bortimus. And then she points over to the red skinned man. And um, if it's possible for a man with red skin to blush, um, Sir Bortimus blushes. His cheeks um, get paler. I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. they turn pink. <laughs> His cheeks turn pink instead of red. Um, she says, he was he was with me, uh, enjoying my company that night. And if he had not been with me, they would have they would have killed me like they did the rest. Nari, I thought for sure they got you too. No, I, I made it out. Um, I had a meeting with Aaliyah Brava that night when they attacked us and I was able to run and I was able to get Ember out as well. She's um, well, she's not here right now in the city. I, I left her someplace safe, but that's good. That's good. No, nowhere in the city is safe for us. Uh, the The empire is is looking out for us everywhere. Their eyes are everywhere. How did they find us? It was so coordinated. We were betrayed by an insider. An insider who knew all of our secrets. Aaliyah Brava still lives. She's still here in town. And she's working with the Empire. I've heard that she's creating a new Rose Syndicate to feed false information to Fallen Heaven. This time working directly for the Empire. She is creating a fake resistance group in the hopes of catching rebels for the empire she has turned her back on everything we stood for and then she pulls out a dagger that snaky bitch she slams it into the table and she goes yes that snaky bitch here that snaky bitch so nari are you interested in some new snakeskin boots i have always wanted a pair of snakeskin boots <laughs> but you have the boots with the fur oh that's right <laughs> 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 Maybe a handbag. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah, I could, you know what? I see Nari with a handbag. <laughs> like a fanny pack kind of bag. Okay, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah, gosh. a fanny pack. Sure. Oh gosh. So Nilla says, We've been we've been seeking out allies. We did our best to drop some hints and some clues, and I know that we have allies here in town, people who who hate what the Empire is doing and who would love to help us, but it is it is not safe right now to be to be where doing what we're doing, and uh, uh, I fear that 
the three of us, we are all that are the, the Wilted Rose. Well, it's more than I expected, so I'm grateful. You may have more allies here with you right now. Allow me to introduce myself. Tenred Pine. I've been a traveling companion to Nari, and these are our other colleagues. She, she gives you her hand to kiss in a very high society way. Oh, and, and Pine will, will do just that. And she gives you a little curtsy. Mm. Bow. Are we just going to go back and forth with the formalities? <laughs> and then <laughs> she... Lady. <laughs> Good sir. Um, yes. um, yeah. So you guys introduce yourselves. And she says, so Nari, are you, are you back? Are you ready to join us, join the Wilted Rose and put a stop to Aaliyah and, and fight the Empire? Well, I'm definitely all about fighting the Empire still, and, and that is still the goal. Whether the best thing for me to do is do that here or someplace else, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Uh, do you guys have any sort of plan in place, any sort of system? Not yet. At this point, we are just trying to gather information and followers. In all honesty, maybe we made our, our puzzles too tricky, but you're the first people to find us. We are notoriously good at puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also could have been the zombies outside this door. Yes, you have to be careful down here. They, they rise up. They are restless. The further down you get, the, the more dangerous things become. Do you have another way out of here? I do. Okay, good. I have another way up and another way down. Down? Further in. Hmm. In case this place gets found out. There is one ally that I know we have up above. We have access to a tailor's shop. Um, they've asked that we only use it in cases of emergency, but I do have a way to get into their shop that we can get out of these catacombs and back up onto the street. I thought you were going to say it was the double deuce chamber pot guy. <laughs> he doesn't have a store. He has a stall. That's right. That's he right. does have a stall. <laughs> and Aaliyah Brava, she's still in town. Do do we know she, where she is? Aaliyah Brava is the last I heard. She's actually staying in Everly Manor. And you guys know Everly Manor is like a place. It's a very nice house um, mansion where when people come to visit Arkelvy, the very important people will usually stay at Mason's Keep. Um, when uh, their their like second in command will oftentimes stay at the Everly Manor, uh, and then a lot of their servants and things who come along, there's not room for everybody, so they'll stay at the nearby uh, Imperial Heroes Inn. So yes, in Arkovy there is an Imperial Splendor Inn where you guys are staying, and there is the Imperial Heroes Inn, which is where a lot of the dignitaries will stay um, for for like uh, uh, the uh, the elite from Almar Province who come to visit that kind of thing. This Aaliyah woman, does she have the ability to cast spells that might alter memories? I wouldn't put it past her. She is a very, very gifted woman. Very talented. Very deceptive. I believe that she spoke with Nari here earlier today and did something to her. Nari can't remember it. Yes, I I think she must have charmed me. I I don't I don't remember meeting her. Um 
But I wouldn't if if Aaliyah's betrayed us, it would be easily well within her talents to do that. Um, I don't have any knowledge that she, that she would really find that interesting. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what happened in that conversation? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Bordemus, the red-skinned guy uh, in the armor, he says. Well, actually, uh, if you were charmed, if your memory was altered, I, I believe there are ways to reverse that. Do tell. Well, I, I imagine I, I imagine it would be some kind of, of healing. Um, maybe at the Temple of Erdos. Maybe they, they might be able to help you uh, regain your memory if, in fact, your memory was altered. That's a great idea. Well, she was behaving very out of character. I wouldn't. I would imagine that she, her memory was altered, yes. Well, I, I asked Nario as we were eating dinner if she recognized the person to describe the woman in the coach, and she described a woman different than what I saw. It was an older woman with blonde hair. But <laughs> and again. voluptuous breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Nari, do, right. um, do you still have the cell stone to contact Kira? I do, yes, of course. Could I could I use it? Yeah, Nari will hand that on over. Pine will go over into a corner. Okay. Um so they can have the continue their conversation, but I'm just gonna send a, a, a message to Kira. Okay. So Pine will like How do you turn this thing on? Hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, There's two words down. <laughs> do not trust the Rose Syndicate until you hear from us. There is uh, a betrayer trying to send false information. We'll let you know when it's been taken care of. Pine out. <laughs> I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to end that way. <laughs> All right. Um, the crystal goes dim for a second, and then it turns back on again. It starts shining, and you hear a voice in your head, uh, and it is Kira's voice. She says, Master Pine. It is so good to hear from you. Thank you for the warning about the roses. We haven't heard from them for a long time. Keep me posted. And that's it. Okay, I will keep you posted. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong number. I think I broke it. I'll hand it back to Nari. <laughs> okay. And then uh, Nilla is saying, um, you know, is there any way you can help us? Are you are you here to help us again? Or are you are you here to help me? You can tell that her like her shoulders kind of tense up in expectation. Yes, of course. I'm I mean, that's why we came back to the city was to see if the Rose Syndicate was who was left, if anyone was left. So we'll figure it out. I just don't know if Arcovia is maybe the best place to make our home base right now, if it's so, so dangerous. Well, maybe we can make it more safe. Maybe you can help me kill Aliyah Brava. I'd be into that. I could get down on that. I think if we could restore your memories to understand what, what was done to you, and it might shed some more light. And if, if it turns out that this Aaliyah Brava is, is the one behind the betrayal of the Rose Syndicate, then I'm in as well. 
yes, I think that um, what this gentleman suggested, going going to the temple, seems like a really great place to start. Nilla says, I can show you the way out so you don't have to go back through the catacombs um, and the Tomb of Ten Maidens. That's what I call it because I thought it sounded cool. Anyway, um, I can show you the way through the tailors um, and uh, the Temple of Erdos is... Uh, uh, you can't miss it. I can I can take you there as well, but uh, we'll have to be careful moving on the street. I I can assure you that if if Aaliyah saw you in the city and she she knows that you're here, that they're going to be looking for you now, Nari. And it's not safe for you to be on the street until she's dead. Well, I'll I'll do my best to stay on the down low. Um... But if that's the case, then you should also stay away from me for now. Um, go back and, and hole up if you can, and I'll I'll see what we can do to figure it out, and I'll reach out to you once we have a plan. All right, I'll be here. I'll be here. So um, she uh, she motions to you guys to follow her down through this kind of southern um, little hallway. Wait, and, wait, wait. Oh, yes. No, sorry. What is it, Mr. Pine? It occurred to me that if um, Aaliyah Brava wanted Nari dead, she could have just taken her in a carriage and rode away. I'm afraid we may have led her right to you. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. Oh. oh. All right, you guys. Well, thank you for a great session. Oh, jeez. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully, you're enjoying what we're doing. I know I'm having a great time. Uh, if you like what you're what we're doing, then go ahead, leave us a review, give us a five star rating. It'll help people find us. Uh, you can go check out our Patreon. You know, we we could use some more snacks, that kind of thing. So, thanks for listening, and have a great time. <laughs>